It is a Friday edition of the Beat of Sports here on FM 96.9 The Game. Thanks for joining us and starting your weekend. My name is Austin Lyons, sitting in for Mark Daniels on this Friday. Kyle Cassandra is here as well. Kyle, how are we doing? I'm good. How are you today? I'm great. Welcome in. Yeah, good to be here. Doing a show with Austin Lyons. This is exciting. It's been about a year since I've been in this seat and uh, excited to be back and and talk some sports with you guys. We'll We'll get into conference realignment. We'll also talk quarterback tiers in the NFL. And much more on this Friday. Austin Lyon, Kyle Cassandra here with you. But I want to start with formative sports memories and things that shape the type of sports fans that we become. And I've been thinking a lot about this recently. I have two sons. One just turned three. The other is nine. And it got me thinking about things that were of significance to me, moments that formed who I am as a sports fan. And there are three things, three moments that really stand out in in my memory. I was born in 1985, born in Sarasota, spent a few years in Sarasota. I moved to Hawaii, lived in Hawaii for several years. My dad was a real estate developer. We came back to Florida, and the very first college football game I ever saw was the 1994 Orange Bowl. Florida State, Nebraska, one versus two for the national championship that was of the 1993 season. FSU was a big favorite in the game. Obviously, I didn't know that at the time, but it was close. FSU led. Nebraska came back and took the lead. Florida State kicks a field goal with 20 seconds left. Nebraska gets a chance. They miss a field goal at at the gun, and Florida State wins, and they win the national title. And as an 8-year-old who was fairly new to the state of Florida, I was living in a state that had the best college football team in the country. And so from that moment on, I was all in on Florida State. I thought it was the coolest thing ever that a team from a new home state where I was living was the best college football team in the country. And so I was immediately on the Florida State bandwagon. And I was a bandwagon guy, but I was eight years old. And so I've been a Florida State fan ever since. Still cheer for Florida State. Um, I'm a UCF grad and, and cheer for UCF as well. So my allegiance is split in college between UCF and Florida State. And it all goes back to that one moment. I invested in Florida State because of what I saw as an 8-year-old. I played a lot of golf when I was young. And when I was 14, the 1999 Ryder Cup took place. The Ryder Cup, for those of you who aren't diehard golf fans, is a competition between the best golfers from the U.S., and the best golfers against Europe. And unlike much of the regular PGA Tour schedule or the majors, it's match play and not stroke play. And it is the premier team golf competition. So as someone who was really passionate about golf when I was 14, the 99 Ryder Cup stands out because the U.S. was down huge going into the final day, Sunday singles, where it was 12 golfers from Europe, 12 golfers against the U.S. They go head-to-head in 12 individual matches. U.S. was down 10-6, Four points was considered an un, an unimaginable comeback. And the U.S. rallied. They won. They beat Europe. It was the biggest comeback in Ryder Cup history. I was locked in for that. As a result, I am a lifelong fan of the Ryder Cup. It is my favorite golf event to watch, even more than any of the majors, more than the Masters, more than the PGA Championship, more than the U.S. Open. I love the Ryder Cup. And it goes back to that. As a 14-year-old who was passionate about golf, I saw that comeback, and I was sold on the event forever. The third thing that has really shaped 
the type of sports that I like and my sports fandom was going to the Olympics in 2008. It was in Beijing. I had the chance to work as a production assistant for NBC, and I, I saw Michael Phelps swim. I saw Sean, jo- Sean-, Sean Johnson and Nastia Lukin go 1-2 in the women's individual all-around gymnastics. I got to see part of the gold medal game for the U.S. basketball team. I went and watched badminton. I went and watched wrestling. I watched weightlifting. I got to see a ton of events and that month that I was in Beijing sold me on the Olympic experience for life. If it's an Olympic year, I'm dialed into the U.S. Olympic trials, and I'm heavily invested in watching a ton of Olympic programming every two years it comes on. Whether it's winter or summer, it doesn't matter. I love the stories that come out of the Olympics. So for me, the three formative sports moments in my life, the Orange Bowl that Florida State won, the 99 Ryder Cup, the largest U.S. comeback, and then the 2008 Olympics. I'm curious for those of our listeners out there, what moments stand out in your life that have formed either the sports that you care about or the sports teams that you care about? And again, with a nine-year-old son, I've been thinking about this a lot recently, has he already had one of those moments? Or is one around the corner? And what role do I play in potentially shaping what teams my son likes or what sports he cares about? Something that I think about a lot, and I think that's something that sports fans are heavily invested in. So I'd be curious. Hit us up on the text line, 50857. Kyle, stuff stand out for you? Formative sports moments in your life? Yes. Um, <laughs> 97 World Series for the Marlins, and then again in 03. It's just kind of put that in my blood. It was very exciting. Watching Dan Marino as a young age got me into football, and specifically the Dolphins. Um you know, I remember watching Tiger Woods in the collegiate championships uh, in '94 as a young one, and then watching the mat, watching him dominate the Masters. And now I, every Masters weekend, I cannot miss it. I plan my entire April around being able to sit at home and watch all four rounds from 3 p.m. when it comes on until it goes off. And it all goes back to just watching them every single weekend with family because it's exciting. And, um, you know, some of the other things that I get excited about, um, I had to do a, I, I got a chance to, to uh, be a, a reporter for the Olympics. They, people, I was inside curling. I didn't know anything about curling. So I had to learn everything about curling. Really enjoy it. Now I can't, miss, I can't miss it. Winter Olympics come along. CNBC is the curling channel. They've always air all the curling. And um, I cannot, cannot get enough of it. I love it. That's great. That, I, that's exactly what it is. It's and like, like so, learn about it. Talking about those moments and reliving those moments, bro, I, I, you've got a smile on your face. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the, this that stuff is the best. Those formative sports moments are amazing. It's, hit us up on the text line, 50857. Look forward to sharing some of those as we go on. A texture says, that's the same reason why Kravitz likes Florida State. I don't know how old Kravitz is. I'm 38. I would imagine we're similar age-ish. I don't want to make Kravitz sound too old if he's not as old as I am. That's right. fine. Um, another person says, I went to every Miami Dolphin game growing up, tailgated since I was a baby, now 35 years old, loves to party and loves the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, it's family. Yeah, It's in the blood. It's family. You can't, uh, you can't get out of it. And that's what we love about sports, right? So let me ask you this question. How does MLS make those same impressions with your younger children so that they may enjoy that over maybe an NFL? Because there's no NFL team here. So it's difficult. I think 
look, my sports moments for the most part were, were on TV. Like I watched the the '94 national championship game. I watched the Ryder Cup in '99. I was there for the Olympics. Um, but but those were what resonated with me. He can't watch MLS on television. I, I don't have the MLS package with Apple TV. We don't sit down and watch every Orlando City game. Um, and then if you go to an Orlando City game, like you got to make sure the, the the weather doesn't doesn't affect it. Um, yeah. So so the, the, things we had, there, there's a big challenge, and, and I do think that like you mentioned, family. Um, you know these things. It's interesting. My dad wasn't necessarily a big sports fan. He wasn't a Florida State fan. Um, so, so my sports moments were more about what I stumbled into, mm-hmm. whereas you know me, I watch a lot of sports, so it's likely that whatever my son experiences, um, unless it's one of his own teams that he plays on, uh, is, is going to come from something I watch. Well, I don't. Yeah, a family's big, and I don't even mean nuclear family. I, I had a set of friends growing up that we all just gathered around the Marlins. My dad was a Yankee fan and couldn't stand the fact that I rooted for the Marlins, but. My friends growing up, when we all figured out we could drive cars and drive down there, and we returned 18 by season tickets, <laughs> we would just go. And that was my Marlins family. Now, my Dolphins family was my aunt and my dad. But there's different families you can make around uh, sports and have that connection. But I, I loved your opening segment about is this do or die time for MLS for this exact conversation we're having right now. How many people on this staff doesn't have the MLS package? Kelly doesn't have it. You don't have it. I didn't have it until Wednesday night. I probably should have it because now in this position, I should probably be able to take a look at it whenever I want. So if it's invisible on TV Mm -hmm. and you're not taking them to the game for whatever reason, whether it's cost to expect, I mean, I I remember growing up, the Marlins tickets were nine bucks. They were nine bucks in the 90s. It wasn't terrible. Now they're growing up, so now you don't go to as many of those games. You may still go to one, two, or three, but you're not going to 10, 15, 20 the way you used to. So how does the MLS grow this? Yeah, I I think getting casual fans engaged with MLS is harder now than it's ever been before, given that the content is is, is behind a paywall. And and I see someone texted in, having your entire league behind a paywall will not create moments or attract casual fans right. and convert them. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I get why MLS uh, took, took the money, took the bag, and, and being a partner with Apple is, uh, you know, Apple is at the forefront of everything. And so if you're thinking about the future, being aligned with Apple is great. And I understand for a lot of business reasons why Apple chose to align itself with MLS, the the ability to potentially penetrate markets in uh, Central and South America that that Apple doesn't currently have penetration in. Um, but I think from from a casual American fan standpoint, it's going to be really hard to, right. to get people, especially when like I can watch the Premier League on regular television. Yeah, how many people are going to go to a MLS game from Central America? I mean, I get that there's an opportunity to make money there, but doesn't the base start at actually trying to get people into the stadium to build a fan base? Not if you're Apple. Right. If, if, you're, if, you're, if Apple. you're MLS. So if you're MLS, so certainly like, this is you, do. you choose your partner here. Yeah. I mean, Apple, uh, I, I was listening to a podcast about this the other day. They are like fourth in terms of phone providers in Central and South America, and there's a substantial gap they can close. And now by having Messi, people in Central and South America are significantly invested in in trying to watch Messi, and and so they're getting exposed to Apple, and they're more likely to get an iPhone now than they ever have been before. And if it doesn't pan out for Apple, 
where do you earn MLS? Because you're hurting your core market. That's my questions about this deal that time are going to answer, but right now I haven't seen a single Orlando City game all season long. Yeah, I haven't if seen an Orlando on, City game. Uh, yeah, I if they were on 65, I would have checked them out at least three, four times. Yeah, I mean, I, I could tell you a couple of players on the team, but I, I, I don't know the roster and I don't watch the games because they're not on TV. So, so how did how how as Orlando City, for example, how is this taking a step back? Yeah, I, I think it it for me for for my fandom of Orlando City, it is. Other diehard Orlando City fans may not see it the same way. I think it depends on the perspective that you have. If you're a casual fan, it's not great for the casual fan. If you're a diehard, you probably don't care. You're just forking over fifty nine bucks to watch it. This doesn't affect diehards yep. at all. But as diehards, frustratingly, yeah. always get. Diehards will never grow a game. The UFC had that problem for years. They had their diehard fans, but they can never get over the hump to be bringing in more casual fans. And they struggled with that until they finally said, let's go after the casual, much to the frustration of the diehards. But if you want to grow and you want to keep going and you want to stay the course and grow the game or grow the sport... You're going to have to get the casual fan. You're going to have to get the people who are not diehards, but hear this excitement and marketing and buzz about Messi, seeing the highlights on social media and going, oh, wow, that looks awesome. I want to check out that game. All right, $15. Eh, there's something else to watch now. And so that, that's why we talked about how soccer is at such an interesting time because Copa America is coming here next year. You've got the the club league tournament coming here in 25, the World Cup in 26. Your hope is that people are so attracted by the sport itself, the sport itself, that they want to go to an MLS match or they want to watch an MLS match. Yeah, but if you're like me and didn't grow up with soccer and you're trying to learn the game, where's the vehicle for me to really get into the game? Like, how many people watch Ted Lasso and still don't know what offsides is? Probably a lot. So, MLS, where's your opportunity to teach them the game well the, we've got people love the game people from overseas love the game but but americans didn't grow up with it it wasn't at the forefront until the late 90s 2000s when cable came along and really expanded that product mm -hmm. but if you didn't grow up with it and you're still not sure what makes the game game great you've where's the educational piece yeah interesting path ahead for for MLS and soccer in the U.S. I wanted to share a couple of these stories that people have texted in. Had a teacher back in the mid-70s that would take kids to spring training games at Tinker Field, went to a game that had an overflow crowd, and the Twins sat people on the field in foul ground. Became a Twins fan and have been ever since. I you know, love love reading stuff like that. That's awesome. You know, there's a part of me that roots for the Dodgers just because Dodgertown used to do that. I remember going, going to Dodgertown as a kid and having that open dugout and just being able to run down there the players would grab balls like so there's a part of me that just kind of sees that dodger uniform and gets excited because i remember those vero beach stories at Dar uh, dodger town i get it certain teams certain moments elicit memories throughout your childhood throughout your time to become a sports fan keep those coming at 50857 time for a break coming up on the other side We'll talk college football, specifically win totals. I will tell you whether each of the big schools in Florida, Florida, Miami, UCF, and Florida State, will either exceed or fall short of preseason expectations. This is The Bridge on FM 96.9 The Game.